el Todos Hablamos McDonald's Deal. Porque cuando están decidiendo qué ordenar y la tía Carmen te dice... McNuggets, mijo. Y una de las hamburguesas con esa salsita. ¿Sabes? Ya tú sabes que eso significa una Big Mac. Y lo sabes porque tú también amas esa salsita. Hay un meal para cada cena familiar en McDonald's. Ordena por anticipado por el app de McDonald's y llévate dos de tus favoritos, como McNuggets de 10 piezas y una Big Mac por solo 6 dólares. Precios y participación pueden variar. Producto individual a precio regular. Last time when you were at the pump, did you catch yourself thinking, why am I spending all my money on gas? Drive less, save more. Ride Coda. The new transit app makes riding Coda as easy as tap, tap, go. Plus, we'll help you get started with a $4.50 account credit when you download the transit app and set up your Coda account. What are you waiting for? Download the transit app today. Learn more at coda.com slash transit app. Okay, guys, let's um, take our Bibles, turn to the book of 1 Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And um, I'm going to just read one verse. It's a very familiar verse of Scripture. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse number 23. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse number 23. All right. We're every believer, a disciple, that's our theme. How do we become a disciple? We have to make a commitment to follow after Jesus. Amen. Amen. One of the areas that we um, find in our personal lives that prevents us from becoming more like Jesus is the area of soul woundedness. And when we talk about our soul, we are dealing with those area, that area in our life that encompasses our mind, our emotions, the choices we make, our affections. And those areas in our life need to come under the lordship of Jesus Christ. And there's things from the past that we, things we've done, uh, choices we've made that have affected us. Um, there's things that people have done against us and to us that, that have impacted us negatively. But the good news is that God is committed to make us whole. God is committed to make us whole in our spirit, in our soul, in our body. And this verse, we're in a series that I'm calling Sold Out. And sold out, meaning we want to be sold out to Jesus, right? But when we talk about being sold out, I'm talking about our soul. There's so much emphasis today on the physical, right? We, we, we really, as human beings, even though we have, uh, you know, we have a body and we should look after our bodies, we should take care of ourselves, we should rest, we should eat properly, we should exercise, all the stuff we know we should do, blah, 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 but we don't always do it. But it's a good thing, right? It's very important. Our body, our spirit, our soul, it's connected. And so the way God has created us is if one area in our life, one of those three areas isn't doing well, we'll suffer. Amen? The Bible says that a merry heart or a good, happy heart does good like medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. So if we're not doing well emotionally, will affect can even affect our health. And in fact, there was a doctor who wrote a book years ago called None of These Diseases. And in that book, he documented up to 70% of sickness can be traced to issues of unhealth, of toxicity in 
our soul realm, our, our mind, our, our emotions. So it's really important that we address not only our physical part of us. Most of us are so committed to the physical, right? I mean, if you become sick, guess what happens? I mean, it doesn't matter what it's going to cost. It doesn't matter what you have to do. You're going to give all attention. You're going to apply all the necessary resources to your health. And that's, of course, that's right. That's the right thing to do. But my question for us today is how much devotion or how much time do we give to the development of our spirit and our soul, to the health of our spirit and soul? Well, let's read First Thessalonians 5.23. It says, now, may God, the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let's look at this. First of all, Paul addresses the Lord as the God of peace. The word peace, of course, Ultimately, it goes back to the Old Testament, to the Hebrew word shalom. God speaks about shalom in the Old Testament. And shalom is an amazing word. It's a covenant term, and it's what we are to experience. We were saved to know the shalom of God, the peace of God, which means this, nothing missing, nothing broken, nothing out of place. It speaks of restoration. It speaks of being whole and complete. Now, Paul says, not just spiritually, not just our spirit, but in our soul and also in our body. Now, when we think about the process of how God changes our lives, you know, we there's some fancy theological terms that we can throw out this morning, justification. Justification means when you're born again, you're made righteous, you're, you're cleansed, you're, you're pronounced just and, and in good standing before God. And, and that's an amazing thing. But then there's the word sanctification. And sanctification, even though there is a work of sanctification where God cleanses us, it's also a process. It's an ongoing thing where God is working in our lives to make us more like him. And then ultimately glorification. When we talk about glorification, when Jesus returns, the Bible says that we're going to get, we're going to be resurrected, guys. We're going to have new bodies, bodies that are imperishable, bodies that are incorruptible. We'll never get sick. We'll never get tired. We'll never get old. Come on now. And uh, that's an amazing thing. But when you're born again, the Bible is clear. When I was born again, when you were born again, that God did an amazing work in our spirits. You see, we have a spirit, we have a soul, and we have a body. But ultimately, particularly if you look at it in the Old Testament, you will understand that it's not our body it's not the physical component of our lives that defines who we are. Yet so many people focus on that, don't they? 
And their identity is in how they look, their identity is in how they feel, and they just become even obsessed with the outward appearance. And even not just in the sense of, you know, I know there's an extremism when it comes to, to uh, exercise and, and so on, but I'm saying that the Pharisees, the religious leaders in Jesus' day, they were so focused on the outward. How did they appear? What did they look like? You know, this, this ostentatious type of expression of righteousness, of godliness, which really they had a form of godliness, but inwardly their lives were not good. And so we have to recognize this. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 4, 7 and 8, train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise both for the present life and life to come. So train yourself to be godly. How much time do we invest in training ourselves to be godly? How much time do we invest, for example, in, in other areas? Maybe we study, we, we, uh, you know, maybe we exercise. There's certain things that we do. And I'm not to, I'm not negating that. I'm not trying to take away from that. All of that is important. But the point is that which is more important is our spirit and our soul. And how much time are we devoting? How much effort are we making in our commitment to train ourselves to godliness? You know, it has benefit not only for this life, but for the life to come. So the God of peace, the God who wants us to be whole, nothing missing, nothing broken, nothing out of place in our lives, that God, the same God who sent his son Jesus to die for us, wants us to be blameless. He wants to sanctify us wholly. He wants us to make holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y. In other words, completely. He wants us to be sanctified in our spirit, in our soul, in our body, so that when Jesus returns and we stand before him, we're blameless. Isn't that amazing? That we are actually blameless, not only in our spirit, but in our soul realm and in our body. That's an amazing thing. So God wants to sanctify us wholly. It's an amazing thing. So when we're born again, what we have to recognize is it's our spirit that comes to life. The Bible says in Ephesians 2 verse 2 that before we know Jesus, while we're living in sin, we are dead in trespasses and sins. Our spirit man is dead in trespasses and sin. But what happens is when we're born again, our spirit comes to life. Jesus said in John 3, verse 3, that no man can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. In the original language, the phrase born again literally means born from above or born from a higher or heavenly place. We are born from above. We're born from a higher or heavenly place. In other words, we're born from the spirit realm. And so Jesus continues in John 3, verse 5, and he says, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of water and the Spirit. Then the next verse, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit, meaning capital S, is Spirit, lower S. One translation says humans can reproduce only human life. But the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So when we're born again, it's our spirit that becomes alive. The third person of the Trinity, 
God the Holy Spirit comes to live in us. We are born of the Spirit, and our spirit man becomes alive. So we do have a spirit. We do have a soul, and there is a distinction between the two. You know, the Bible says very clearly that our whole, our entire being, our body, our spirit, our soul would be sanctified. In Hebrews 4, verse 12, he says, The word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and spirit. Now, some people would say, really, the soul and the spirit, it's the same thing. Now, in a sense, that's true. The soul and the spirit are connected, but yet they're separate. Because how can we go be the division of something if it's one? So there is a division between the spirit and the soul. We know that when the Bible says in the book of James that when the spirit is not with the body, the body dies. The body cannot live without the spirit. But interestingly, the spirit, when a man dies, according to Ecclesiastes, returns from God who sent it. It returns to God. Our spirit lives forever. Our spirit is that part of us. And even in a sense, our soul is connected to our spirit and we cannot separate it because we know when we go to heaven, we're going to, we're, we're going to, we have, we're going to have emotions. We're, there's going to be, uh, you know, rationale and, and we're going to have a choice and, and we're going to be able to look upon things and, and analyze and intake and, and ponder and, and reflect upon things. So we're going to have access to our soul realm. We're not just going to be like up there floating around like we we have no sense of of knowledge or understanding or or volition. It's not at all the case. Clearly, when we're born again, we receive a new spirit. And you know what the Bible says? The Bible says that when we are born again, our spirit is made perfect. Perfect. Hebrews 12, 23, the spirits of just men made perfect. Our spirit is made perfect. Wow. But unlike our spirit, our soul, our emotions, our mind, our will was not made perfect when we were born again. Our soul is in the process of being sanctified. Let's look at this verse. Hebrews 10 verse 14 says this, for by one offering, he, Jesus, has perfected forever. Hallelujah. He has perfected us forever by one offering, right? Is that good? Now listen to this. Those who are being sanctified. Those who are being sanctified. If you look at most translations, that's the way they render this verse. So sanctification is a process. In other words, we are being sanctified. I've said it before, you know, we are a masterpiece. The Bible says in Ephesians 2.10, but we're also a work in progress at the same time. So God has made our spirit perfect, but now he's saying, allow me to sanctify your soul. Allow me to cause your mind, your will, your emotions to become completely godly in every way whatsoever. The message says this, by that single offering, he did everything that needed to be done for everyone who takes part in the purifying process. Wow. He did everything that needs to be done to make you holy, to make me holy, to help 
with our mind, to help with our thoughts, to, to bring our emotions to a place where they're completely sanctified and, and we, we are like Christ and, and how we think and how we, how we, uh, process our emotions. He did everything so that we can choose to do God's will. But it says, by those who commit themselves to the purification process, you must commit yourself to the process. Come on now. Do you realize that the commitment to the process is what determines where you are? Where are you going to be next year at this time? How committed, how devoted are you? Train yourself for godliness. Commit yourself to the gym of God, so to speak, so that you will literally experience training for reigning. You know, it's through that place of commitment to Jesus, of surrender to him, that he begins to change us from the inside out. The work of the Holy Spirit is to sanctify us completely, to make us completely holy, not just our spirit, but our soul. Now, the word that is translated sanctify, it's very interesting when you, when you study it at a deeper level, because most, you know, research tools, if you were to look up the word, wouldn't show you this, but it literally means not of the earth. A person who's sanctified is a person who's not of the earth, not of the dirt, not of the soil. Now, I know we talk differently as Christians. We say, I'm just a person. I'm just a human. God knows my vulnerabilities and my weaknesses. Yet we read the Apostle Paul who says, why are you acting like mere humans? Why are you acting like mere men in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 3? Why are you behaving like human beings? Because, guys, even though we have a body, we are not, in the sense, physical beings. We're not carnal beings. We have a soul. The soul in the Old Testament literally means the entire person. The nephesh in the Hebrew language means the entire life. So the soul is, is the area in which we, we are defined by. It gives us a personality, doesn't it? And what ends up happening is our soul is that which really defines who we are. And our soul is literally what connects with our spirit, and our spirit connects with God. But we make choices in our soul realm that determine which way we're going to go. We choose to listen to something or not listen to something. We choose to speak something or not speak something. We choose to do something or not do something as a result of our soul. And what ends up happening is that choice either makes us more and more like Jesus and sanctifies us more, or we become more and more carnal. We become more and more ungodly rather than godly. It's our choice, but it's our soul that God wants to become more and more sanctified, more and more like him. So the process of becoming like Christ is enhanced, it's facilitated through our soul. There's a lot of people who say, I just want to worship God. I want to worship him. I'll speak in tongues. I'll, I'll pray in the spirit, whatever. And yet 
there's areas in their life in which they're not, they're not, they're not changing. They're in bondage. It's holding them back. There's fear. There's anxiety. There's, there's maybe anger or bitterness or, or whatever it may be. And they're not becoming like Jesus, even though they might be exercising their spirit. This entire part of us called our soul is being neglected. And until you actually focus on your soul, You'll never truly become like Jesus Christ. You might worship God. You might feel better. And you might, wow, I'm in his presence. Let me tell you something. Just because you're in the presence of God doesn't mean you're going to change. The children of Israel went up unto the, some of them, when the elders went up to the mountain and fellowship, they actually ate with God is what it says. They had a meal with God. And then they came down from that place and they worshiped idols. So you can go to church, you can get into the presence of God, you can have an encounter with the Lord and still not change because there's areas in your soul realm that still need healing. There's areas in your soul that, that need to be brought under the blood of Jesus Christ and, and you need your mind to be renewed and, and you need your emotions to be, to be brought into a place of being healthy and sanctified and set apart by God. Whatever area it is, you know, you need to make certain choices now. Choose whom you're going to serve. Choose life. Choose death. Make the choice, God says. And when we make the right choices, then what happens is there's a work of sanctification that occurs in our life, and we become more and more like Jesus. You know what happens to many of us as Christians is we, we walk by sight, not by faith, whereas the Bible says we're to walk by faith, not by sight. In other words, I didn't feel like it, so I didn't do it, right? I didn't have any peace about that, so I didn't do it. It's an amazing thing how many Christians will say that. I didn't have peace, so I didn't do it. And I said, well, the reason why you didn't have peace is because you didn't do it. The fact is, the Bible is very clear on certain things. You need to do this. And then we turn around and say, I didn't feel led. I didn't have peace, so I didn't do it. Well, it's not how you feel, guys. You're living by your emotions at that point. What you have to do is submit yourself to the truth of what God's word says. And when you, when you make that commitment that I'm not going to react this way, I'm not going to react in my soul in the sense that I'm going to go into the physical, natural realm, but I'm going to, by my soul, make choices to be spiritual and to connect with my spirit, then at that point, what happens is you become more and more like Jesus. And the Bible says, great peace of those who keep his commandments. So you have peace because you've made the choice to keep his commandment. It's so important that we honor God. You know, it's amazing when we choose to do his will, the grace of God undergirds us and supports us. The grace of God comes to enable us and empower us to reign in life so that we can become more and more like Jesus Christ. Think about it. We're not to be like mere men. We're different. You know, we're to love differently than the world loves. We're to endure hardship differently than the world does. The Bible says that God has created us to have joy unspeakable and full of glory. The word says that we are to walk in a place where fear is not working or overcoming us or controlling us. God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. 
We are to live in this place of peace. We're to be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, we're to make our requests made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. That peace, because you pray, you interface with God and and you make the right choices, that peace will guard your hearts and your minds. It will grant you emotional stability. It will cause you to experience mental equilibrium. God isn't what God is able to give us a sound mind. God is able to heal us. God is able to remove those things from us that are toxic. Those things that cause us to, you know, to just to erupt or, or, you know, those areas in which we react because there's something in us that needs healed. You know, it's amazing. The way that you tell what a person is really like is you live with them. You know, you, you don't know what I'm like, guys, unless you spend a lot of time with me and vice versa. Who really knows who, how I'm like is my wife. She knows what I'm really like. And the truth is, as we spend time with God in his presence, obviously he knows. He knows, but guess what? He knows everything. But we know. We see ourselves because we are interacting with the God who calls us to a place and a standard of holiness, a standard where nothing is missing, nothing is broken, that everything is in place in our life where we're completely whole and completely restored. And this isn't a message of condemnation. This isn't a message saying that by this time tomorrow, you don't have everything sorted out in your life. You're going to hell. That's not the message I'm preaching. Please don't misunderstand me. I'm telling you that there's a process. I'm telling you that God has a plan for you to change. You don't have to remain in bondage. You can change. And you know, I've, I've done a, a lot of people's, I've done a lot of deliverance and I've seen a lot of people set free. And I tell you something, unless you deal with the soul realm, people experience deliverance, but then they go back to the way they were. See, Jesus said you can cast a demon out of a man and then, you know, the demon leaves and it goes around looking for, uh, you know, peace. He finds a house empty and swept clean. Put in order, put in place, empty and swept clean. So it takes seven other spirits more worse than itself and the latter condition is worse than the former. What is he saying? He's saying that there has to be a work of the spirit internally that takes place. That's why there are some people that, I, listen, guys, I operate in the discerning of spirits. Trust me. I know what's going on in many people's lives simply by being there. God has given me that because I have an apostolic calling on my life. So I can tell this person needs delivered, this person needs that. Sometimes people want to take the shortcut. They want to blame it on the devil rather than do discipleship. Come on now. They want to blame it on the devil rather than be responsible for their life to become more like Jesus, to deal with their soul realm. And what ends up happening, though, is even in that place where someone may need deliverance, the fact is you've got to help them to understand that there's a place where God is calling us to go where we walk in discipleship, where we're dealing with our soul realm. Because otherwise, what happens is we just leave an open door to the enemy. And so we have to come into that place. In fact, sometimes you're better off not even dealing with deliverance until you get the door closed so that, it's, that it doesn't become worse than the former condition. So God has said all these things. 
He wants us to know joy. He wants us to, to walk in perfect love, to experience his peace and, and to love like the world loves, you know, that, uh, not like the world loves, to be completely different. But the truth is, how are we going with that? How are we doing when it comes to lining up to what God has called us to? Are there areas in our life? Come on now. I think every one of us will say, yes, there's true. There's areas in my life I don't manifest the fruit at times. I manifest that nasty stuff. It's called the works of the flesh. And I'm not like Jesus when it comes to sometimes being patient. You know, and we have this going on in our life, and it causes us to live in a place where we're not experiencing the victory. I just want to look at an amazing quote by John G. Lake. In his writing, which John G. Lake calls Triune Salvation, he said this. He said, people wonder why after having given their hearts to God and after having received a witness of the Spirit, they are troubled with evil desires and tempted in evil ways. Then he gives the answer. The nature has three departments, and therefore the surrender of the Spirit to God is not all that he demands. God demands also the mind and the body. There's a place where God is saying it's not just enough. John G. Lake, who saw 100,000 documented miracles in five years, understood something very profound in what he calls triune salvation. What was he teaching? He's teaching, essentially, 1 Thessalonians 5.23, that God wants to sanctify not just our spirits, our soul, and our body. He wants every part of us, offer your bodies as living sacrifices to him. Holy, acceptable, right? What we do with our bodies affects us spiritually. What we do and how we engage our soul affects us spiritually. Every area in our life, we can walk in freedom. We can walk in healing. We can be delivered because God has called us and he's planned us for us to be free. It's amazing. We can be free, guys. We don't have to be tormented. We don't have to be in bondage. We can overcome. We can be, we can manifest the fruit of righteousness, the spirit of God working in us, causing us to manifest Christ likeness. I want to just close with two scriptures. The first one is found in Romans chapter 12, verses one and two in the passage translation. Beloved friends, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? That's a good question, isn't it? What should our response be to what God has done for us at the cross through Jesus? I encourage you to surrender yourselves to God. I encourage you to surrender yourselves to God to be his sacred living sacrifices and live in holiness, experiencing all that delights his heart for this becomes your genuine expression of worship. Wow, isn't that interesting? Because look, there's a lot of us, we want to cast out demons, we want to heal the sick, we want to prophesy, we want to worship, we want to do all these things, but God says true worship is when we're surrendered to him as sacred living sacrifices, living in holiness, and then we experience all that delights his heart. This is a genuine expression of worship. And then he takes it a step further in the next verse, in verse 2. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you. 
but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you, what? Think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. The mind, the mind needs to be renewed. The mind needs to be renewed. We, we don't think the way the world thinks. Don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed. By how? The renewing of your mind. What does the word say? Get the word in you. Quote the word. Believe the word. The word of God is not just, you know, information to help you, you know, give mental assent to, to certain truths, philosophical or theological truths, but the word of God is spirit and life. When you get the word in you, when you play the word, when you read the word, when you, when you believe the word, when you meditate on the word, and when you speak the word of God, it has, something happens in your soul. Something happens in your soul. Something happens. And, and understand this, guys. It's not just the word meaning the scriptures. Jesus is the word, right? So the logos, he's the logos. And as that word that we have fellowship with him, something takes place. I said this before, and I'll say it again. You can memorize all the scriptures in the New Testament that talk about your identity in Jesus. I am a new creation. I'm the head, not the tail. I'm an overcomer. I'm more than a conqueror. What shall separate me from the love of God? You can memorize all these scriptures, and that's good. But the bottom line is, if you just know it up here, it's not going to change you. You see, you have to have communion with the word himself. And as you have intimacy with God, what will happen is he will begin to show you those things in your life that he wants to change. You will know how loved you are. You will know how, how greatly valued you are. But you'll also experience the correction, the challenge of the Lord to change, to grow and be more like him. Look at Jesus, how he discipled the 12. They spent time with him, right? John, the son of thunder, the Bolognarja, he, he ended up becoming the disciple whom Jesus loved. Why? Because he put his head on Jesus' chest. Repeatedly, we read this in the Gospel of John. His intimacy with Jesus brought him to a place of revelation of how much he was loved. And that perfect love cast out all fear. That perfect love dealt with all the insecurities in his life, all of the rejection and all of the things that he'd gone through in his past, all of the things that he was going through. It didn't matter what people said. didn't matter what people did. He was whole. He was healed. He was basked in the place and was secure in the love of the Father. And so he, he didn't have to deal with this stuff. It's like, you can say what you want about me. You can do what you want about me. And, and you know what? Maybe some of the stuff you're saying is true because that's the person I was. And there are times when I, when I still fail, but I know I'm becoming more and more conformed to the image and likeness of Jesus Christ. And I know that the Father loves me. And I know that, that He has a plan and a purpose for me. And as I stay in His presence, as I spend much time in prayer and communion with Him, what ends up happening is it doesn't define or, or determine you know your identity and what people think about you if you if you can clearly obviously people can can cut you down by their opinions about you then there's not a place of understanding and knowing who your identity is jesus didn't matter what people said about him he knew exactly who he was 
He knew who he was, right? They said, they lied, they said all these things. And he didn't try to defend himself or rail back at them. He just understood who he was. He was firmly um, in, entrenched or, or, or founded in the, in the love of God. And because of that, he lived in a place of absolute freedom. You know, guys, what people say to us, what people do to us, I know it can be painful. But we can go beyond that as Christians. We can be healed of that from the past. And then what happens in the future moving forward not affect us. Not affect us. In fact, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. We feel sorry for them. We pray for them. Jesus said, pray for those who persecute you, who speak spitefully against you. Pray for them. Love them. The last scripture, James 1, 19 and 21. 19 through 21. My dearest brothers and sisters, take this to heart. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Okay, we can preach that right there, right? But human anger is never a legitimate tool to promote God's righteous purpose. Wow. So this is why we abandon everything morally impure and all forms of wicked conduct. Instead, with a sensitive spirit, we absorb God's word, which has been implanted within our nature, for the word of life has power to continually deliver us. Now, the last few words, continually deliver us, literally in the Greek language says, save our souls. The word of God, the word of life, has power to save our souls. The word that is translated soul can speak of our entire being, but it can also speak about the psychological part of us, our soul, in other words. It's the Greek word suke, and we get our word psyche or psychological from it. And the footnote in the Passion Translation says the Greek could refer to the ultimate salvation of our souls, which includes our personality, our emotions, and our thoughts. Wow. God wants to save your personality. How many know that some people need saved from their personality? Okay. I mean, some people's personalities just seriously need an upgrade. Okay. But also this, what? Your emotions. Right? Your thoughts. God wants to save you from that stuff that's destroying you, that's making you toxic, that has made you toxic, that is affecting your relationship with God. It's affecting your relationship with others. He's into soul salvation, not just saving you spiritually, but saving you in your soul as well. As we commit ourselves to the process of becoming more like Jesus, not just our spirit, which has been made perfect, but our soul, which is being sanctified. God, you can do what you want to do in my life. I submit myself to you. Change me. Be intentional. How do I change this? Oh, Father, help change me. Heal me in this area. Oh, Lord, whenever I think of that person, I just, oh, God, help me. Set me free. Deliver me. Lord, when I think about what I did in my past, I'm so ashamed of myself. God, help me to be free from that because I know there's no condemnation in Christ. 
but help me to be free from those memories. Lord, I, I have this problem. I have this addiction in my life. Or emotionally, I'm so volatile. You know, I just, I just explode when things, certain things happen. That's exposing a root in your life. There's something that he wants to heal you of. There's areas that he wants to heal you of. And Jesus, by the Holy Spirit, is committed to heal you, your soul. In the next couple of weeks, we'll go through this in greater depth. How does God heal our souls? What are things that cause our soul to become, uh, you know, impure and even wounded? And we're going to look at this thing. We're going to look at rejection. We're going to look at fear and how to be set free from all this stuff in our lives so that we walk in a place of security and a place of knowing who we are in him. Amen. God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, right? His perfect love casts out fear. Love, knowing the perfect love of God. Get rid of all fear. Get rid of all fear. Why would you be afraid of what's going to happen tomorrow when God has said, if you're evil and you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will I take care of my children? That I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you, I'll never let you go without. So why would we be afraid? Because we don't believe and we don't know that perfect love. It's, we're not yet in that place. Amen? Let's stand together. Switch to Spectrum Mobile and get unlimited data for only $29.99 per month each when you get two or more lines. You could save hundreds on your mobile bill. Plus, there are no added taxes, hidden fees, and no contracts. Click to try the Spectrum Mobile Savings Calculator, and in three easy steps, you'll see how much you could save. Visit SpectrumMobile.com save. Offer valid for new customers on two or more unlimited lines. Spectrum Internet required. Restrictions apply. Visit SpectrumMobile.com for details. Coda has a new way to pay. Now you can use the Transit mobile app to plan, track, and pay for your Coda ride. For a limited time, everyone who creates a Coda account in the Transit app will get a $4.50 credit. What are you waiting for? Download the Transit app today.